वेलकम टू भारत विज्ञान हर हफ्ते मैं आपसे बात करती हूँ प्राचीन भारत के ज्ञान विज्ञान के बारे में और बताती हूँ कि कैसे आप इस विज्ञान के ज्ञान का लाभ ले सकते हैं आपकी इस मॉडर्न लाइफ में मेरा नाम हितेशिका है और मैं आपके इस शो की होस्ट हूँ Dr. Vinita Agrawal. First of all, I want to thank you not only from my side but on behalf of every Indian youth for doing such an incredible work of decoding Hindu mythology. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much, Atishika, for having me here, and uh, uh, you know it's really kind of you to appreciate the work, and uh, it actually makes all the effort worthwhile. thank you so much you are an inspiration as i told you before also <laughs> so from yesterday we all know that chaitra navratri has started and these nine days are representation of feminine energy but today we have came from a society which used to think that masculine is the only way where you can actually conquer the world in fact today also we say to women like please have your attitude behavior like in masculine just in order to succeed but i think balance of both are required if masculine is about choosing a path and moving forward in it feminine is about being happy in whatever you are so if you can mix it both moving forward and also being happy at where you are so this is how you can do so in our hindu culture we have these five super women who actually balance these masculine and feminine energy and have been inspiration for us because they have gone beyond past and present perspective so can you please tell us about panchkanya and also what we can learn from them today most definitely hiteshika first of all let me say that you put it very well you know the balance between masculine and feminine is very important and it is somehow missing in the modern society but uh, you know um, maybe it's a little surprising for some people but the ancient societies were much more balanced than you know the so called modern society is you know we had uh, kingdoms where there were only women who were ruling we had kingdoms where there was actually a matrilineal uh, you know inheritance in uh, place you find mention of uh, you know polyandry in uh, mahabharata and not just draupadi there are other examples also and in fact you know a lot of people don't understand that uh, women had a very important and a very significant role uh, in uh, our history and uh, the epics of mahabharata and ramayana has some very strong characters you know of course the main characters the story of the main uh, protagonist is around male characters hmm. but the women are instrumental in bringing about the events that happen you know hmm. whether you talk about kekai in ramayan you know manthara and kekai were the reason the banishment of shri ram happened you know had that not occurred you know probably ramayan would not have uh yeah. taking place in that particular form you know maybe some yeah. other uh, device could have to be found to uh, bring ram in confrontation with ravan uh, similarly in the mahabharat you see draupadi such a such a important character you know she was treated very badly yeah. but she took it in her stride and she did not bow down to the circumstances instead she challenged she yeah. challenged the people he she challenged the king of the land the emperor right yeah. there 
court and she asked them such pertinent questions that they had no answers to so yes. imagine you know that was the power of these women and she was instrumental in instigating the pandavas to take revenge you know so to say for uh, her uh, insult mm. and that is the whole reason the mahabharat war happened in mm. fact um, you know when krishna was going as a shanti doot you know to kauravs and uh, he was suggesting that you give only five villages and mm. pandavas would be happy with that draupadi was the one who was unhappy with that because mm -hmm. she wanted the revenge you know she wanted the kauravs to face the consequences of their actions so very 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 strong women and the panch kanya actually are characters from the ramayana and the mahabharat hmm. so there are characters which is ahalya uh, there is tara and there is mandodari which are from the ramayana hmm. and uh, there are two characters uh, draupadi and kunti which are from the mahabharat hmm. so these panch kanya are supposed to be they are believed to be the um, you know epitome of uh, femininity and mm. in various parameters it's not just how they handle themselves it's how they handle the circumstances around them and if you if you actually see uh, you know hiteshika if you read the stories if you deep dive into their stories mm. between these five of them they have managed all the difficult circumstances that a woman can encounter you know start with ahalya mm. uh, chronologically probably the oldest uh, example mm. in this list so ahalya was the wife of gautam rishi mm. and very interestingly you know there's a story that brahma created her and because he wanted to create the perfect woman you know the mm. perfect woman everything is in symmetry and you know she is uh, the most attractive personality mm. that you know anybody could have seen mm. and immediately all the gods uh you know were hankering for her that you know she should be my wife and you mm -hmm. know so uh, amongst these were the rishis were also there and gautam rishi was one of them mm -hmm. so brahma says okay so uh, we'll decide uh, who actually deserves her by means of a competition and whoever is able to circumnavigate the globe you know the earth so mm -hmm. the first person who is able to do that will be the deserving one because ahalya is not any woman you know she is the best creation mm. of so you have to prove yourself that you know you are really willing to uh, you know have her as your spouse mm. so everybody you know rushes on on their uh, wahans and stuff and mm. gautam rishi who is you know a slightly older middle aged man uh, mm. but a very kind hearted soul and mm. he he um, he sees kamdhenu you know the divine cow kamdhenu giving birth to a child to a calf mm. and uh, he realizes that you know in our scriptures cow is considered the world you know mm. the sanskrit word for cow is go which is also a word which is all which also means bhumi or earth so he circumambulates the cow and the divine calf and he comes back to brahma and he says that i have completed the condition you know because as per scriptures cow is the world you know so brahma recognizes the uh, you know the um, uh, brilliance of the uh, premise he says that yes if not for the physical effort for the mental effort that you put you definitely deserve it and ahalya is quite happy you know it's not as if that you know she's sad with the turn uh, of affairs but you know there is a possibility that she had 
her own sights on someone who was more probably younger or better mm. looking mm. and uh, devraj indra is actually one of mm. those candidates mm. so that is the beginning of the story and you know where indra is frustrated because he's the king of the gods but he's not mm. able to ahalya and later on in life you know when ahalya and gautam are happily married and they're living together and that is when indra decides to take a chance Mm. and he, he you know everybody knows the story that he takes mm. the form of gautam rishi when the rishi mm. is going out for uh, mm. prayers in the morning and he goes into the ashram and he seduces ahalya mm. so a lot of people don't realize that you know in the valmiki ramayana there are two differences from the narrative that most people know mm. first is that ahalya recognized that this was not her husband mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not, it was not as if she was a uh, she was taken advantage of mm. she recognized that this was not her husband you know by mannerisms by the way of talking by mm-hmm. the way he touched her or you know she recognized that this is not my husband mm. and she also realized that this is a devata this is a demigod Hmm. and she was proud of that that you know hmm. that i'm so beautiful that hmm. even you know leader of the gods is ready to take change his form to come hmm. and be with me hmm. and the second thing is that you know when gautam rishi comes back and hmm. he finds indra leaving hmm. Uh, hmm. and he's of course angry you know any any hmm. and it's not about a husband you know being angry on his wife it's about a partner partner feeling feeling betrayed you know mm-hmm. if you are if you are faithful to your partner you would expect mm-hmm. him from mm-hmm. the from your spouse as well and that is the anger and the betrayal he felt mm-hmm. and he cursed indra to get a thousand vaginas on his body mm-hmm. imagine you know that is the severe curse that he put that you may be the king of the gods mm-hmm. but as of your last you have to roam around like this now Mm. which was later turned on you know in 2000 eyes you know mm. but that is why indra is also called sahastra aksh because he has a thousand eyes on his body mm. but in comparison you know he was also a little heartbroken uh, with uh, what ahalya had done mm. and he cursed her not to turn into a stone as we are led to believe you know in the valmiki ramayan yes. what what gautam says is that uh, you know because you're so proud of your beauty Mm. you will be able to see that beauty and you will turn invisible and you will remain here and that's so, why only ram shri ram was able to see devia hilya yes so she oh. is not turned into stone at all and you know in in some stories it is shown as if ram is touching the stone with her with ah. his feet and ah. that is becomes alive but that is not there in the valmiki ramayana at all you know in fact she's turned invisible and when shri ram enters you know that uh, ashram with lakshman and vishwamitra and vishwamitra tells him the story mm-hmm. and ram is really sad you know he's he's a very uh, kind and considerate person you know and he's he's just a kid of 15 it's not even 16 years old you know when he goes to the forest and he's touched by that story that you know ahalya has been cursed for so long she has been living alone mm-hmm. and he he actually uh, it is said that you know he touched her feet and that is when she becomes visible to everyone so so you know that is how the curse is broken it's not it's not the way you know the uh, toxic masculinity uh, way of narrating the story it's a very nuanced story it's a very different uh, story in the original epic and um, 
you know, this um, Ahalya and Gautam, they have a son who's called Shatanand. Hmm. And he is the priest of Janak. Sita's son. So when they reach Mithila after, uh, you know, this episode, they reach Mithila and Shatanand is the one who comes running forward and he, he drops down at the feet of Vishwamitra and he thanks him that, you know, you have released my mother from the curse. You know, she, ha- she was trapped like that for eons, you know, for ages and uh, you have uh, helped release her from that curse. So then the entire backstory is uh, narrated. So Ahalya's story is probably the first example that we see, you know, where uh, there's a woman who's indulging, a married woman who's indulging Mm. in extramarital sex. Mm. And she is doing it of her own volition. Of course, Mm. she didn't go out to find a suitor, but even when she realized, she was okay with it. So that... And later on the stories, it was manipulated again because maybe because of uh, masculinity that she was innocent and this was not actually happened. And so again, like this is called equality. If right. Man can do it. Definitely, woman can do it. Or also. Exactly. Exactly. So you know, this is the first example that we see of an extramarital affair not really an affair, but an extramarital episode, you know, which is mentioned in the scriptures. Hmm. Uh, You know, the next examples we see from the Ramayana are of Tara and Mandodari. Hmm. So Mandodari, everybody knows, was the wife of Ravan. And she was a very nice uh, and genuine person who actually counseled Ravan multiple times, you know, to Hmm. leave his wicked ways. And, you know, Ravan was a tyrant. A Hmm. lot of people don't realize this, that, you know, they, they think of Ravan as a very tragic Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was he was the one who was responsible for Vishnu to take an avatar, you know, because he was such a tyrant and he was creating havoc in the three worlds. That is the reason Lord Vishnu had to take an avatar and mm-hmm. come down as Ram. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was he was a serial rapist, you know. He, there are multiple names which have been given in the Valmiki Raman itself. Where, you know, he has molested women and he has, uh, you know, abducted thousands and thousands of women from all the kingdoms that he has uh, destroyed. And his harem was actually full of abducted women, captured women. Hmm. And Sita was the last one, you know. Hmm. Poor Sita, there were thousands Hmm. who had been, uh, you know, mistreated by him. Hmm. And Madhudri is always cautioning him that, you know, someday you'll have to pay for these actions and, you know, you should not disrespect women like this, etc, etc. He, of course, doesn't listen to her. After Ravan's death, you know, Madhudri could uh, have, uh, uh, you know, it could have resulted in a civil war because Hmm. Vibhishan actually uh, betrayed Ravan in a way, right? He joined the enemy. So, you know, there were in there were people in Lanka, there were the Rakshasas or Asuras in Lanka who were still loyal to Ravan. Hmm. And there was a possibility of a civil war happening. Hmm. But um, Mandudri, she decided to marry Vibhishan hmm. after Ravan's death, which is again something that people... Woman. So she knew, you know, what was required of her as a as a queen as the queen mm. of the kingdom what was required of her to maintain there had been enough destruction already because of the war you know because mm. of lust the which had resulted in that massive war mm. there had been enough destruction of lanka you know mm. so she did not want things to you know go south you know again 
and she realized that this was probably the best way to maintain peace in the kingdom and you know take it uh, hmm. in a positive direction hmm. and similarly for tara tara again a lot of people don't know her tara was a wife of vali hmm yes so, so tara was the one who was actually cautioning vali again just like mandodari that you know hmm. uh they have been they had been certain incidents where vali was very short tempered and he was very very um he had knee jerk reactions to most of the things so um she was the one who would always advise him and caution him uh, you know uh, about uh, taking such uh, uh, reactions or acting on an impulse and um, after vali's death Mm. uh ram realizes that you know uh, because vali had also abducted when he had uh, thrown out sugreev you know there's a whole back story to why that happened which we'll not get into right now because we're focusing I on i remember that story <laughs> so because we're focusing on the female characters right mm. now so when vali threw out his brother his younger brother sugreev he kept his wife mm. in his home and he said that she's my property now mm. you know? so that was again you know the male ego of vali just like ravan and uh, so tara cautioned him again you know against that and later on when sugreev when uh, shri ram kills vali and sugreev is again made the king mm-hmm. uh, i think it's ram who suggests that you know sugreev should marry tara why because you know tara's son angad was mm-hmm. the uh, yuvraj you know he was the heir mm-hmm. to the king and again a civil war could have resulted because there was a faction that was supporting vali and there was a faction who was supporting uh, sugreev and mm. sugreev had hanuman with him you know who could defeat hanuman mm. so so there were very strong powerful factions and it could have resulted in a civil war in kishkindha and uh, tara married uh, sugreev and shri ram actually uh, extracted a promise out of sugreev mm. that Tara's son Angad would remain the heir to the kingdom. Oh, so it it was a very beautiful, yeah. uh, you know, diplomatic move, where yeah. yeah, where you know the there is no insult to the woman; she yeah. remains the queen, and her son remains the heir to the kingdom. And how these two women managed those situations around them, you know, they they did not really have a lot of say in the way things were happening. but they could have said no or they could have you know uh, you know left the kingdom and gone somewhere else mandodari was the daughter of maya danav you know he's he's one of the, he's the architect of the asuras hmm. so she did not have any reason to stay in lanka she could have easily gone back to her father's house hmm. but she took that conscious decision in the interest of her kingdom hmm. you know she she decided to stay in lanka and be with vibhishan similarly tara you know decided to be with sugreev hmm. even mm. though you know he was the reason that her husband was killed mm. but she decided to be with sugreev probably because of the future of her child you know of her son mm. and and she and she even afterwards she was very very um uh how uh, you know her business acumen was very sharp mm. as in you know the practical aspects of life so when sugreev becomes king uh, mm. you know he for a year almost he forgets everything about finding sita you know for months together he's just enjoying being the king hmm and that has been hmm yeah and then monsoon happens and all that and then lakshman is suddenly very angry he's like what is he doing you know he has not helped us we hmm. have him gain the kingdom back 
but he has not helped us at all you know and that's when he's very angry and he goes and confronts sugreev hmm. and that is when tara comes into the picture again and tara calms him down hmm so, see, these women are very strong very you know she imagine she is able to calm down lakshman you know uh, so one question in this uh, see if today also if any women take these kinds of actions they they are going to be shamed by society so at that time were they shamed or society were treating equally at that time both men and women was what was the situation at that time because as the ages go the main script got script uh, like manipulated just to show that women fits in this parameter only women are way innocent and something like that but uh, and today if that is growing but still there's a shame so were they shamed were they equally treated what actually happened no definitely not definitely they were not shamed in fact you know the um you know the episode of uh, agni pariksha that a lot of people you know are very they find it very disturbing but you know again because people don't read the valmiki ramayan so in the valmiki ramayan ram does not ask sita to give an agni pariksha he does not mm-hmm. ram says that you know and you know it's it's very beautiful ram is being very open minded where he's saying that you know you have lived in the one of the most prosperous kingdoms for a year mm-hmm. i don't know what you want now i have performed my duty as a husband to rescue you okay mm. but now if you want to stay here it is your call i am not demanding you to come with me because i rescued you so sita is hurt by that you know she says that how can you even think i will leave you and you know stay here and she herself asks lakshman to create that fire and mm. you know she herself walks into the fire no one asks her to give the agni pariksha she does it herself so 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 and you know the people around are aghast at that you know they are like and the gods come down you know to convince ram that you know uh, you know you have to take her back and ram says i know i have i have full faith in her but you know for the sake of the thousands of people who will be having her as uh, their queen you know this was required he did not ask her to do it ram himself had proven his worth to become the king you know he he fought the enemies he destroyed mm. the enemies he rescued his wife he mm. proved his worth you know by his actions and they this was the time this was a moment when sita also had to prove her worth to be the yeah. queen of ayodhya and she did it herself so women were not shamed at all you know the society was very different in fact you know except for the episode of dropadi's this disrobing uh. you do not find even in the mahabharat you do not find women being shamed anywhere and in except in the court when it happened with her. that's what i'm saying you know except for that disrobing of dropadi you know mm-hmm. there is no way no other episode you'll ever find in the mahabharat or the ramayana where women were shamed you know for being women or for making choices that they uh, that men didn't like you know in fact there are uh other examples of uh, from the epics itself where women were so strong kekai you know for example kekai went to the war with dashrath she saved if mm. so you know she demanded that you know dashrath had had it been a male dominated society dashrath could have easily said no that forget it i'm mm. not giving you these boons but the mm. entire uh, you know the the um, very fact that dashrath gave into the boons 
that mm. he had to his wife shows that women were not considered inferior you know he had given his uh, vachan to his wife and he had to respect that so there are various various examples where you see women are very very strong wow that's amazing uh and and if we are talking about these strong women now i want to talk on kali who is full of energy and i uh, remember once you said that kali has been the character which has been way, way much misunderstood in the history and with the kali comes tant even during these navratri in my colony only i can see in choraya some kind of activities going on like black magic you can see sindoor or uh, i can see any i know meet there so what is actually happening is it related with kali and people also think that through tantra they can pass their sufferings or their any bad sufferings if they are through tantra they can pass it if that can actually happen then how karma works if we can just pass our bad sufferings to others you know um hiteshika first of all kali i said you know i mentioned it in one of the podcasts that she was very misunderstood because you know primarily in the west they were exposed to kali as um uh you know through movies like sindabad and then mm-hmm. there was indiana jones movies where you know there are kali worshipers who are uh you know committing atrocities etc it it's, it's a very very negative and incorrect portrayal of kali in the uh, western movies and because of that a lot of people got confused and kali has been shown as somewhat of a demon you know in these movies Hmm. which is exactly the opposite because kali had emerged to take care of the demons whom the gods could not destroy so she is fierce and she's so uh, scary because she she needs to scare the daylights out of the demons themselves you know hmm. and she is the i would say you know she is the ultimate pinnacle of uh, feminism uh, in ancient india where you know you see her standing on the body of her husband you know and uh, most of the dash mahavidyas which are different manifestations of kali you would always see that uh, you know the either the throne or mm. the uh, you know is is made up of the gods and the goddess is sitting on top of it mm-hmm. so it shows the female power it shows it shows the uh, the feminine aspect being more powerful uh, than the male gods and the entire story of kali and durga itself shows that you know women can do what even men find it difficult to do you know mm-hmm. and uh, kali so when it comes to dark magic i would say it's it's a little uh, a misuse of the powers that you get uh, using uh, you know while performing worship of the dash mahavidyas so dash mahavidyas are uh, believed to give you certain siddhis and um, through the use of the five ms which are not really allowed in the regular worship you know they are the five ms of tantra where you know you can utilize these uh, substances for worshiping in um, tantra and using these it is said that there is a shorter method to reach god this is a shorter mm-hmm. method to attain those siddhis but a lot of people do this for personal benefit when you're talking about you know them uh sacrificing something or trying to pass on their bad luck mm-hmm. to someone else it can never be postponed forever your fate your destiny will catch up with you sooner or later if you manage to postpone it now it will catch up in the future that is it it mm-hmm. will 
Okay. You know, so in fact, in my story, uh, in the second book that I have uh, written on uh, Parshuramji, mm-hmm. uh, there is there is a boon, you know, which was given. You know, there's a portion which is made uh, by a rishi, and it's given to two of uh, two women to have children, and one of them is Vishwamitra, and the second one is Parshuram. But Parshuram is actually one generation further away from the boon. because the lady who had received that portion she said no i do not want a violent child i do not want a child with kshatriya tendencies mm-hmm. and so her husband being a accomplished rishi he said okay this can be postponed only by one generation but it okay. will come to pass mm-hmm. your may not be uh, you know violent or uh, turn into a kshatriya warrior but his son will definitely turn into one mm-hmm. so you know, that is what happens with destiny that what is written in this is your karma that's deciding your destiny your previous karma decides your destiny your mm-hmm. present your present fate mm-hmm. and your present karma decides your future so we so when we are performing these actions when we are causing trouble to other people that mm-hmm. is also generating bad karma for us so mm-hmm. you may trade of that uh, you know a bad patch of time but you are amplifying it by mm. performing these actions you are passing it on to somebody causing distress to someone else that will also backfire ultimately mm. so you'll receive this plus that was destined for you any which ways you know in the future so it's a, it's a it's a no brainer you should not uh, you know your misery is yours to bear mm. it's yours to endure and you emerge stronger from it you know if you ever try to do uh, bad to others through these means you know it will backfire it will come back to haunt you sooner or later whether in this life or in the next life so that is the whole uh, aspect of uh, black magic which is not what the scriptures recommend you know it is not uh, for um, attaining that purpose it's a different way to reach god but people get sidetracked how in navratri these things start increasing is it related to kali only or this time is very precious that's why uh, all these pujas yeah. are getting very fastly or we get the result very well how is it happening these nine days i can really see daily in my colony only i can see it daily on a daily basis there are some things going on and on and right. last time i saw in sharad navratri and now in this navratri So see, Navratri actually comes four times in a year, okay, and it is in different seasons. And these nine nights are actually dedicated to the goddess because goddess is Prakriti. Hmm. And when we talk about seasons, that is Prakriti, right? It's changing its form. You know, nature is changing its form. Hmm. So these nine days in each season, we have four main seasons. So you know, we have uh, so this Chaitra Navratri comes in spring. spring or summer you can say mm. and then you have the uh, gupta navratri uh, two gupta navratris which is in ashad which is monsoon and then you have the sharad navratri which is the more better known one mm. and then you have in winters you have the magh gupta navratri so four times in four seasons whenever nature is changing you know mm. that is this this nine day period is dedicated to nature basically mm. and if you see the different forms of the navadurga that we worship during these times they are also very closely connected to nature you know mm-hmm. because uh, we start with you know shailputri the first form of uh, navadurga first form of madurga which is worship on the first day 
of navratri is of shailputri hmm. and shail means mountains so she is the daughter of the mountains hmm. so you know it's basically parvati but she is called the daughter of the mountains and she so you know right from the first form we are made aware that she is the daughter of nature you know mountains are our environment and that is why you know you uh, you are uh, encouraged to worship uh, nature or prakriti or devi you know in these nine days and it is supposed to keep you healthy the fasting of course you know in a scientific way you can understand it's sort of a detox for your body mm. like But every season every season you spend nine days fasting you know mm. so that's four times in a year you fast for nine days and you get your body gets a good break you know where you're having only fresh fruits or you're having milk products you're avoiding spices you're avoiding fried of course a lot of people eat fried in the fast which is not supposed to be done but uh, ideally you have to take you know the minimum quantity of food which is required your your entire digestive system gets a break you know your the uh, desire for eating something uh, you know mm. spicy uh, for drinks for intoxication everything you know you you get a break your your brain your body everything gets a break uh, you know in these nine days and it breaks the habit actually mm. so so it's a very healthy thing to do and it is basically a recognition that nature is changing and we have to pray to the goddess and these nine days in every season are considered very auspicious for goddess worship and that's why when we do danya it's for like making our body move and also to have the happy emotions yes and now when we are you were talking about earth uh, nature is it somehow related to tamas rajas and satas we say savas or satas i'm not sure yeah so it is it is not really related to the three gunas here but the way of worship can be related to it as in the satvik mode of worship is where you know we worship navdurga you do fasting and you do uh, the regular puja and bhajan kirtan and uh, you know durga stuti etc hmm. um the tamasic way is uh, the tantric way of doing it so yes. you know so we are offering meat or uh, intoxicants to the gods the bali concept mm-hmm. all that is the tamasic way of worship mm-hmm. so rajasik is again there you know rajasik ways you know you are having a grand party you're not fasting you mm-hmm. are offering food you're preparing you know delicious uh, things for god you're offering to god as prasad and then you're consuming it so depending on the gunas you know your your satvik or rajasik or tamasik gunas you can have a different way of worshiping the goddess oh. Okay, okay. Now I want to ask my personal favorite question. Uh, I have grown up from childhood watching Ramayan sagas, Ramayan, V. R. Chopra's Vishnu Puran, and in which animals or birds have been depicted as superpowers. So if we talk about in Ramayan, if we talk about Jamvanji, who was bear, so he was considered as very wise and all. now if we talk about jatayu was eagle who tried to save sita mata from ravan then in samudra manthan uh, we have in vishnu puran we have pakshiraj whom vishnu ji ordered to cut mandar tree and bring it to samudra so they have been shown or they have been depicted as someone very highly powered in terms of spiritual mentally physically so what actually happened as we humans also involved we 
also start losing our consciousness. So still we can go to that higher level of consciousness, not that much, but we can attend some level to right. sadhana. Can animals or bird also attend that higher level of consciousness or that has been just the story? What actually happened? Right. So uh, I think Hiteshika, you know, they these are not just ordinary animals or birds, you know, they are uh, semi-divine beings. Hmm. You know, they are not, you know, when, when we talk about Nagas, we are not really talking about the snakes, you know, we are talking about serpentine beings, you know, and I feel, you know, it's probably, it's, it's difficult to uh, explain, you know, in a scientific way, but, you know, probably if you imagine, we humans have evolved from mammals, right, from apes. Hmm. Hmm. So imagine if there was a species, you know, like the Neanderthal man, or there was, you know, some such species, which was different from humans, you know, from Homo sapiens, hmm. which also evolved simultaneously or probably before us, you know, hmm. and uh, they were more powerful than us. They were stronger. They were, they were ape-like, you know, they were more hmm. hairy and, you know, their faces were also very different from how modern humans look. Hmm. So those could have been the runners, right? So hmm. there are different species which could have been possible and, you know, Nags and the Garuds, the Suparnas, etc. They are not supposed to uh, actually reside on earth. You know, they have their own Lokas. So Patal Lok, there is a Nag Lok, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's it's actually delving into science fiction that, you know, it could be possible that uh, there was a race which evolved from the reptiles, you know. So you know, instead of uh, mammals, we humans became the predominant species on earth. But on other planets, if there is life, it is not necessary that the same, uh, you know, we always see Martians looking so different and science fiction and all that. Mm-hmm. So evolution would occur differently. So there mm-hmm. could be Lokas, you know, where life evolved from reptiles and, you know, they are semi-reptile and, you know, semi, uh, you know, humanoid, uh, you know, in, in their looks. They could be Supernas, you know, where evolution could have happened from birds, Hmm. And they have, you know, bigger bodies, stronger bodies, but they also retained wings. So it's very difficult to say, but I, I like to feel, you know, that probably these are beings that actually exist in a different uh, planet or different, uh, you know, local realm. And um, as far as consciousness is concerned, you know, it is said that um, human form on earth, at least, is the human form that is the most uh, suitable for uh, realizing the mm-hmm. spiritual um, uh, you know requirements which mm-hmm. uh, we all should be doing you know the spiritual journey that we should be following and our brains our intellect is the perfectly uh, suited of all the species that are there on this planet to understand these concepts to ask these questions first of all you know animals you see are very happy doing what they're doing they just wherever you give them food they're happy, you know, you keep them as pets, they're happy in any situation, you know, and they don't really have any existential questions, you know, mm-hmm. it is only humans who have the intellect to ask mm-hmm. these questions and find answers. So at least on earth, you know, humans are considered the, and that is why our scriptures also say that, you know, even Devas and Asuras, they crave to be born as a human because the kind of uh, access you get as a human, you know, the mm-hmm. struggles that you face, they make you realize the reality faster 
Hmm. If you are in a devlo, you know, where you're surrounded by luxuries, when you're living a comfortable life, you don't think of God so much, right? It's only hmm. when adversity strikes that you start asking questions and you start hmm. thinking about spirituality. As long as you're li- living a very comfortable life, nobody bothers uh, about God or spirituality. So it is said that human form is the best suited form. And that is why the scriptures advise that you should not waste this opportunity. Hmm. You have to realize what a, a boon you have received for being born as a human. And again, you know, um, even as a human, you see a lot of people suffering. Hmm. You know, somebody could be physically handicapped. Somebody could be born in a very poor household. Somebody could be born in a, a war-torn uh, country, you know, where the, the very survival is a question. You know, so if we are born in a family where we have the basic comforts sorted Mm. and we're still squandering that opportunity to know more, you know, it's a waste of this life. So, so humans, I would say, you know, we are the best uh, possible bet that God has placed on this soul, which is inside the body to uh, at least strive for salvation. In this, as you were talking of evolution, and in fact, Vishnuji take 10 avatars in which he also evolved. Before Darwin theory, Vishnuji cleared that this yes. was how Earth was. Like first we have Mats avatar, right? fish. But then we have started having like both an Earth and water, then turtle. Then he became Vara. Then he was we're half human, half animal. Exactly, exactly. And then I think when Parshuram also happened, so Parshuram was not emotionally stable. So that's why after that we have Ramji. And then he was peaceful man, but then Krishna came and he teaches us how to love, how to make love. And then Buddha is also considered as avatar. So he was a very wise person. Now about talking about 10th avatar. So what this 10th avatar will be of, so as earth was evolving, that's how uh, Vishnuji took avatar. If we talk about today, today we are, it seems like we are going very much towards technology. So is 10th avatar going to be like in that field only or it's going to be different, the Kalki avatar? I think it's anybody's guess, you know, the scriptures just mentioned that, you know, when would the avatar come, you know, they, they mentioned some details about, you know, the astrological conjunctions that would be there, uh, a little bit about, you know, the place where he will be born, born which is uh, called Shambhala. And then again, you know, they give the name of his father, etc. So some details are given, but, and is also mentioned that he will rid the world of uh, evil uh, kings and tyranny, uh, riding his horse, Devdat. Mm. So, so you know, there's some details given. Now, in what form exactly God will come, that is very difficult to say. It could be a how we see the android uh, robots, you know, in sci-fi. It could be a more mechanical form. That could be the next step of evolution for humans, for all we know. You know, that humans uh, sync with the machines, with the artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence and to enhance our own abilities. So it could be a very futuristic form, you know, for all you know. And it is it is very difficult to say, but I hope it is something more exciting than just a man riding a horse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just one point I wanted to add was that, you know, uh, we were talking about the Panchkanya and we, we, we probably skipped uh, Kunti. 
and uh, you know i want to also want to highlight one aspect from her life uh from kunti's life that um, she was uh, a queen right her husband was the king pandu was the king mm-hmm. and then you know when she was uh, when pandu decides to take sanyas you know because of the curse on him she has to follow her husband right she she was a queen why did she have to go but she decided to follow her husband and again you know even in the uh, vanvas even in the forest you know they were uh, not able to have children because of the curse that pandu had received Mm-hmm. that if he indulged in copulation you know he would die mm-hmm. so uh, kunti actually had the boon which was given to her by durvasa rishi and she still managed to get heirs for her husband you know mm-hmm. Again, you know this is a very interesting example of a woman siring children not through her husband but mm-hmm. through divine beings you know so this is very similar to the concept of immaculate conception that you have uh you know in christianity where jesus was born to a virgin uh mary and uh, so kunti also you know invoked these gods through the mantras and she was blessed with children but again you see how well she cared for not just her own children but also the sons of her rival which was mathi you know the yeah. other wife of pandu she also gave birth to two children using the same mantra that kunti gave yeah. her you know so she was not jealous of her co-wife you know mm. and she in fact took very good care of nakul and sahadev in, in fact in the entire mahabharat you see she was the stepmother mm. but she is unlike any stepmother you see depictions you know in of uh, in movies or books she cared so much for nakul and sahadev that you know in the forest when uh, Uh, the pandavas are in exile with draupadi there's this whole episode of where yamraj comes to test uh, the pandavas and you know there's a there's a whole episode called yaksh prashna where yudhishthir is asked a lot of questions by yamraj mm-hmm. mm-hmm. i remember right so so there you know um, all the pandavas are lying uh, almost dead you know after drinking poison water and the yaksh who's actually yamraj and he asks yudhishthir that if i am to revive you know one of your brothers who would it be and yudhishthir says that i am alive i am able to answer your question so you have spared my life i am alive so one of the sons of kunti is alive mm. you know so i want one of the sons of madri to be revived because my mother loves them a lot and she will never forgive me if i ask you know for her own son to be revived so you know that shows how much uh, how well you know these women actually performed their roles in the society they were not there was it was not just she could have been bitter because you know madri was responsible for pandu's death in the end you know when they in, in a moment of weakness they decide to copulate and that's when they die so uh, she could have been bitter uh, with mm-hmm. madri or her children mm-hmm. but she didn't let her cloud her judgment you know regarding the raising of her sons yes. so kunti and again you know when you see uh, the entire episode of draupadi being shared with the uh, brothers with the pand in the pandavas it was kunti who said it that you know whatever you brought you share amongst yourself don't you think you know she could have just easily said no 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 don't do it mm-hmm. you know when lies yeah. that it was not some dan it was a woman that we are talking about mm-hmm. but imagine you know she knew that one woman could create rivalries and brothers you know there were historical 
episodes uh, you know there were stories many stories where one woman had caused uh, rivalry between brothers there are stories of uh, some asuras there are stories of some other uh, beings divine beings where this has happened and she knew the power that draupadi's beauty had and she knew she would be able to bind bind all the brothers together so that was the you know level of thought that had gone into that decision of continuing with polyandrous arrangement and even in that a lot of people don't realize that draupadi had very fixed rules you know ah. she she had very fixed rules she was supposed to be with one brother for the whole year hmm you know she fixed the rules she decided that i will be with one brother for this year and no one else could come near her in that duration mm. and arjun had once entered that chamber where draupadi was with yudhishthira because yes. his weapons were there and he was exiled for that you know yeah. and that is the duration that is the time when he roamed around india and he prayed to the gods and he um you know got access to the divine weapons and all that but there were very strict rules that draupadi had put in place so you know these women were very much in control of their lives of their uh, surroundings and the men around them so i would say you know just to wrap it up because we started with panchkanya i oh. think so you know we wrap it up with this realization that women in the ancient times were much more stronger than we give them credit for yeah. and you know uh, it's high time the modern society also learns you know from our scriptures and it realizes the importance that women have in the society in the continuation of the society and in the maintenance of a civilized world hmm. so yeah i would wrap up there just last one question uh, as you were saying that from satyu till Treta Yuddha Dwap after Treta Yuddha Dwapa Yuk, we can see that people were very wise, and we think that today we are open-minded, but they were way open-minded and wiser and intellectual, and in fact, technically also they were more sound. What was, what actually happened through these yugs that we changed a lot? That in Satyuk, people were very nice. There was no any kind of negative emotion like anger or jealousy. Then uh, Treta Yuga comes where Ramji came, and then there we have this dividation of Brahman, Shatriya. But still, uh, there was some kind of negative emotion. But still, people were nice. Then comes Dwapar Yuga where Krishna has to take place, and where these things start increasing. But still, people there was some few things left of goodness or the mind or the intellectual or the open heart and open minded then we have this kalyug so what actually happened was there any change in nature or what was actually happening of course of course i think see i mean we see that happening you know the human intellect we feel that you know we are advancing a lot but you know the scriptures say that human intellect actually goes down with each yuga you know the lives of humans go down the human intellect is actually lesser than what it was in the previous yugas and uh, you know it is it is actually interesting to see that the morality level of morality in the society is also going down you know in the kalyug we see it happening uh, all around us you know there are atrocious cases that come to light you know which you can never imagine mm. and the amount of degradation that society has seen in kalyug you know that is a result of uh, so it is said that you know kali is the demon you know we we talk about shaitan 
uh, in Islam or you know the Satan in Christianity, mm. a lot of people feel that uh, you know there is no similar counterpart in Hinduism, but that's not true. Kali is the demon, which is very similar to devil, you know, of uh, Western religions. Mm. Kali is supposed to. influence people and act and this is the time of kali this yuga is ruled by kali mm. so that is why he's very powerful and you know you get all these uh, events that are happening so i i would say it's a natural progression of the yugas where you know the life becomes lesser the dharma becomes more uh, fragmented Mm-hmm. and it is said that you know in the satyug dharma is like a bull with four legs and with each coming each successive age or yug you know the one of the legs is broken and in fact there's a story in the mahabharata of parikshit who's the grandson of pandavas you know who's who mm-hmm. takes over the empire after the pandavas leave and he actually encounters the kali purush uh, you know breaking the legs of a bull and he goes there and he stops him and there is just one leg left you know so of that bull to uh, stand on and uh, it is kneeling down otherwise you know so parikshit stops him and he decides to behead the kali purush and kali says but that, that's not fair you know i have been given this age so you cannot do that you cannot kill me and parikshit says okay you will stay in places you know where there is you cannot be everywhere you will be limited to places where there is illicit uh you know where there's gambling where there's illicit sex where is there's alcohol etc so you know you are limited to those places money you know you will be you can reside in money so that is why you see most of the things most of the bad things that happen in the world today happen in these four respects only it's either a fight for money for property for women for uh, you know power so these are the things where kali is supposed to reside and we can still counter the progression of kali by abstaining from these activities so that is the logic which is given in the scriptures and i think these all are again solution for the youth to how to be safe from the demon kali yes you can stay away from that yes yes and any more tip you will like to give youth uh, to how to live in this kali uh so um you know i would i would i really don't like to preach you know so it it is to each person you know his journey is different and everybody has to live it in their own way but i would say you know be mindful of the results of your actions the law of karma is very real and you know you if you're just mindful of the activities that you are doing that itself is enough you know for this life because uh it is not easy for everyone to get that realization that we have to follow a spiritual journey hmm. but what is important for everyone to realize is that we have to be a good human being you know just not not just for ourselves not just for our own lives for our families for the society for the whole world to survive we see so many events happening in the world you know wars happening in the i mean who would have expected a war we would see a war in 2022 you know so there's so many things that are happening because of ambition greed power uh, you know and uh, you see things happening in our in your own lives you know you see you know the politics uh, becomes dirty you see a lot of things happening and uh, people don't realize that whatever every single thing that they are doing will have consequences whether it is good or bad so if everybody becomes mindful of just that fact 
that the law of karma is real and you can see it you know in your own life you can uh, see it and you can realize that yes it does happen and if we are all just mindful of that i think that is good enough thank you so much again dr vinita thank you thank you it was a very nice conversation for me as well so uh, thanks thanks for uh, following up and thanks for arranging this thank you so much for listening अगर आपको लगता है कि आपने इस एपिसोड से कुछ बेनिफिशियल लर्न किया और इसे बाकी लोगों को भी बेनिफिट हो सकता है तो इस एपिसोड को लोगों से शेयर करिए सब्सक्राइब करिए और भारत के अन्य प्राचीन विज्ञान के बारे में और जानने के लिए सुनते रहे भारत विज्ञान आप मुझे इंस्टाग्राम यूट्यूब पर भी पा सकते हैं ऐट द रेट हितेश का जाधव के नाम पर थैंक यू सो मच अगेन